I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot a shot. I'm coming in hot. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you. Hey, I want to keep these. Can I keep these? Yeah, I do. So, as I sat down here, there was some... Uh, what do they call it? Cryptozoic uh, da, 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 X? This is pretty cool, but I don't know if any of you watched the uh, Outlander series, but these Outlander cards are crazy on the secondary market. My, my friend Tom's going to come up here for a second. He's going to pass out something for me. But this Outlander series is nuts, but their, their collector base is, is nuts. Have you guys ever seen the Outlander sales on, on the secondary market? Oh, they're crazy. Yeah, you got to talk real. In, in, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, it's, Thanks, it's crazy for a, a show like it's just taken off. And I, I've heard you talk about the, the relics just yeah. are huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so let's introduce everybody. Uh, my name is Eric. I host the Fat Pack Show. This is Steph and Tim. They host About the Cards. Right down there is Mike. He is a sometimes host of About the Cards, but he, uh, he, he has a blog called Wax Pack Hero. And then down there is my good buddy, Mr. Jeff Hofer. He is the hey Pack guys. Geek. Uh, I'm assuming you're all sitting here because we're all kind of Pack Geeks anyways. We're all uh, kind of Pack Geeks. Absolutely. Right. That's right. You gotta get, uh, is your mic on, buddy? I you literally so. have there to eat then. the mic. You got to... We... Louder. Testing. There you go. All right. So uh, this is a... Uh, this is going to be a panel about hobby content creation. And I, I got to give... Uh, I got to give Jeff the credit because this is really his idea. All of us up here create hobby content. And with the way things are going in the hobby, content is king. And uh, it, that's not just in the hobby, but that's kind of everywhere. And we all have our own special way of doing it. Uh, Last year we had a panel that we had all the hobby podcasters up here. I see Drew out there. He was in the he was up here last year. Uh, it was we all talked about our shows, but in reality there are more than just podcasts out there. About the Cards does a great job. They are uh, as as they say at the beginning of their show, they are a smart and intelligent uh, show, and they want well, to well, we try to be informative. Right. <laughs> they try to be so. Uh, before I steal all your thunder, Tim, why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how long you've been collecting and uh, how about the card started? Yeah, so uh, my name is Tim Shepler, at Big Shep seventy nine on Twitter. Uh, yeah, we um, Steph and I have known each other for quite a while on Twitter, and actually, first just we just physically met for the first time on Wednesday. But uh, we started this podcast uh, with another friend, Ben uh, Wilson, and it was just because we wanted to provide like an old. My favorite show was the Cardboard Connection Radio, which Rob was the, a big star of. And uh, <laughs> to bring something like that back and to pre present it from a collector's point of view. Um, there's a lot of podcasts out there. You know, you have breakers, you have companies, uh, magazines that are doing podcasts. And we want to do something from the collector's point of view. And uh, we've been uh, over a year now. I think we have 57 episodes. We've done some what we call collector spotlights where we interview individual collectors for an hour or so. Uh, and then we do live on locations where we'll do it from a show. Uh, we've done some stuff here. Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. And um, you know we're all we're if you want to listen, we're live every Wednesday night on YouTube about eight o'clock eight o'clock at Pacific 10 time. Ten Central. Ten Central. But uh, <laughs> we're on all the the podcast streams you can find iTunes, Podbeam, all that Stitcher. Right. So check us out. Give us a follow. And a lot of our content uh, we get from Twitter and from our listeners. Uh, and that's really. 
how we create our show is from from the people that uh, are participating and consuming it. So right, I, the the way I like to put it is that uh, you know anybody can go to a used bookstore and get a Yankees book or a Dodgers book, but we like to showcase like the people that worked on the sh the printing floor of Tops or you know someone's son who used to work for an ex company that knows a lot about behind the scenes stuff. You know, give give a spotlight to the little guy Absolutely. for the collectors. Absolutely. All right, uh, Mike, do me a favor and introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, I'm Mike Summer. I have uh, the blog WaxPackHero.com. And I, I really started it a, a couple years ago as I was getting back into the hobby. Um, I had been gone for a while and things had changed a lot. And so there was a lot that I needed to learn. And um, as I was learning it, I thought, boy, it'd be great to have another resource out there for people who are just getting back to the hobby to learn both about uh, the new sets that were coming out, but also some of the older stuff from the uh, junk wax era that, that is just fun to collect. Um, and I also decided to, to talk about how I collect. And so I like to share some posts about um, the strategies I use to buy and sell and maybe generate a little side income to help cover the cost of the hobby so that it um, becomes more affordable. Because uh, one of the things we hear a lot is how expensive the hobby is getting. But um, if we can find ways to help people um, offset some of that cost, it's just better for everybody. And so that's some of the things that I try to put out. Awesome. Now, Jeff, uh, you are probably the most... Uh creative down there of all of us you you work at a production company you make movies for a living don't don't shake your head and say no <laughs> but uh i'm just excited to be up here with you guys because i this is a great panel of content creators so thank you for letting me join this no problem tell us about pat geek though okay so well i i have kind of an interesting uh background so i i work for a production company and i i my day job is to create content for other clients so I'm very particular about uh, production and production quality. And for, for as long as I can remember, my two biggest loves in life were filmmaking and collecting sports cards. So creating uh, a web series based around opening sports cards pack was a no-brainer for me. It's just, it's kind of evolved um, over the years. I, I, I started the series back in like 2010 before there were a lot of shows on YouTube and, uh, and it was really pared down. Uh, I'm embarrassed for anyone to watch it, but literally, like, the first couple episodes in the series, it's just me with a camera on a tripod um, over my shoulder opening packs. And the whole, the whole motivation behind that was just I was opening some really cool packs, some, some expensive packs, some packs that I didn't have a lot of opportunity to open, and I wanted to be able to share that with my collector's friends so they could kind of experience opening these packs as if they were doing it as well. That, that was my whole motivation. And then I took a break for about six years and decided if I'm going to do this show, I'm going to do it right. I work in production, so let's make this as much like a TV show as possible. And that was kind of the, uh, the motivation behind the reboot on the Pack Geek series. So now um, we're about 85 episodes in, and, uh, and we put it out every Wednesday. And, and you know, I'm, I'm always just trying to make it better and try to give you guys the best content possible. And... I'm just excited. I love the hobby so much. I love the people in the hobby, and it's it's so much fun to be able to create content around something I already love, as opposed to to you know shooting an advertisement for somebody whose product I've never used before, which is kind of my nine to five job. Uh, but yeah, thank you thank you again for bringing me up here. I'm excited to talk content creation with you guys. Well, I, yeah, absolutely. Packy is on the screen right now, actually, if you want to take a look at him. He's uh, doing his thing there. 
in a Brewer shirt, which is weird because I know you're a Royals guy. Later on, uh, Shep and, and Jeff are going to have a fight over George Brett. But, uh, <laughs> so let's just talk. Let's just get right into it. We, you, got, you got a podcast up here. You got a blog. You got a video series. It's all different content. We all bring our own special little thing to it. Um, however, let, let's just start with you, Shep. How important is content creation for the hobby with, with what's going on right now? Oh, I, I think it's, it's really important. It, it's spreading the word. Um, and getting information out to, in, in many different ways to other people's hands so they can be educated in what they're doing because, you know, a lot of us look at this, uh, you know, some as an investment, some as just a hobby for fun. Uh, you have the rippers and flippers, but it's, it's knowing um, and being smart to use your money. Sure. Um, you know, it's not to, to max out the card and forget to pay the mortgage bill, um, but we try to put out that information to help collectors make wise decisions and, and know what's going on and who they're supporting and why they should support others versus some versus others. So I got you. Steph, you, you are a guy, you're like, your twins collection is like out of this world. I, I don't, I don't quite understand it, but you know, to each is their own. Uh, your knowledge though on baseball card is great. Not, not that it's better than anybody else's up here, but sure. you have a deep knowledge of it before content creation and you know, with the podcast and everything going on in the hobby, where did you, where did you pick up all that? Were you just a, like a bookworm? And how has current stuff helped you? So, uh, I, I had my previous job. I, I got injured and I was lay, uh, laid up for a little bit. I had a couple surgeries and had constant dislocations in my shoulder. So, while I wasn't working, I had you know books to read and I was able to track you know, hey. All of these sets were created. Sure. Here's what I need for the twins. Here's what I need for this. Here's what I need for that. This guy once played for the twins, so I'll add him in. Why not? And, uh, you know, you t being able to take that and transform it into going to card shows and saying, hey, I recognize what this is. I've heard of it. That's from th that year. And uh, it, it helped me land a job at Comsi. So um, I share an office with, with Rich Klein. I'm and, sorry. Uh, yeah, pretty, yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> no, I love Rich. Rich is but, great. Uh, it, it helps because, you know, now I see all of the cards and I can say, yes, that's from that year. That's from this set. Enter. And it's in their person's account. So, so Rich is another guy. I'm sorry to cut you off. But Rich is another guy that his vast knowledge of the hobby and what he's been able to retain is ridiculous. Working, working alongside a guy like that, I'm sure does nothing but benefit you. And oh, with, absolutely. With, yeah, it's absolutely right. He, he's, he's an excellent uh, mentor. Yeah. And uh, it, his more recent knowledge isn't the greatest, but being able to ask him, hey, who's this 1970 player? Who did he play for in 1963? Sure. And him being able to nail him. And, oh, by the way, I saw him in 1969 playing for the Mets. It's, it's amazing. It's almost Rain Man-like. Right. The way he's able to, <laughs> to pull that knowledge. Mike, uh, so, again, with everything going on, Tell me something that you learned from maybe a, maybe a podcast or another blog or some piece of content creation that you didn't know. Yeah, I, I think um, the, the whole process of, of content creation is interesting to me. And um, th there's a, a few other podcasts that I listen to that are about creating blogs, creating content. And so for me, one of the things that I learned 
um, that I've been trying to implement over the last few months is just about more of the process of the content creation. And so I've got kind of a, a file that I use just to start with a brainstorm of ideas of things that I might want to write about. And as more and more ideas um, come into my head or I, I think about a way to take that a little bit deeper, I make notes on that. Um, and I always try to have two or three different um, pieces in progress at the same time, whether that's something about a, a new set coming out, whether that's something more about the industry, uh, an industry topic in general, um, the, the business uh, money-making side of the hobby. I, I always try to have multiple things going at the same time that are under development to kind of keep that creation stream fresh and, and in progress so I don't get into that situation where we've got you know, uh, a roadblock, you know, or I'm, I'm a stumbling block. I can't think of anything new uh, to, to write about. And so that, that's one of the things that I picked up just from listening to uh, a few podcasts and, and other blogs that were talking about content creation in general. How do you juggle two or three different pieces at the same time without, <laughs> like, them intertwining and becoming the same? Yeah, it's, it's just about, I mean, I, I kind of have them in a, in a Word document or a Pages document, and I kind of just keep it all segregated, just kind of add, add thoughts as they're, as they're going. So it's, it's not, they're not in full development. They're not all necessarily at the same stage of development. Um, but I just kind of have a, have a separate tab, I guess, in, in each of those where I just start to flush out ideas. Absolutely. All right, Jeff, you, uh, again, I've seen the undertaking of, of Pat Geek. It looks massive to me just because of I, I'm not in that world. <laughs> But how long does it, like, I know you shoot, you try to get most of your stuff done, in a, at least in my experience, in a day or two. But that's like an all-day thing, right? It's, it's one right after another. So you're, you're getting those guys in there and recording with them. How do, you, how do you do that? I mean, that's a process that I can't grasp. I, I treat our shoots, I mean, they're a lot more fun, but I treat our shoots just like I do my day job. And... Um, because I'm hiring a crew of um, two or three people for a shoot, the only way to make that financially possible is to maximize the amount of content we're creating in a day. So I will, you know, it's, it's just called pre-production. I do a ton of planning before the day of the shoot so that once we get to the day, everything runs smoothly, and I try to knock out about 10 episodes in a day and then I've got content. I, I release the show once a week, so I've got content for, you know, two and a half months at that point in time. And, and that's, that's been the model I've been using so far, and it's great. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping to expand the show outside of my kitchen at home, because that's, that's uh, the studio we're filming in, right? The, the studio we're filming in right now. Um, and I know my wife would love me to move that somewhere else. So. Um, I'm trying to expand outside of the house, do more stuff on location, uh, do more uh, tours and, and interviews. And, you know, if you're talking to a collector about their collection, it's not the same if they have to come to another place and talk about their collection. You want to be right in the mix. You want to be in their collector's room or wherever they keep the goods. Uh, and I feel like you, you, you don't quite do it justice outside of their home. So my hope is to be able to actually like go and visit these massive collectors and see these collections firsthand and be able to share those with you guys. And um, you know, the, the, the show, the easiest way for me to break the show down is to say that this is an adventure that I'm on 
and I'm hoping to take everybody on this adventure with me. So that that's just the way I kind of think through the episodes. Like, who would I just love to talk to? Not necessarily who do who have we not featured on the show yet, but who do I want to talk to? Who who are we going to have fun uh, opening packs with or whatever it might be? And then we just go with that. And it's it seemed to work so far. I've always been jealous of your lighting, and <laughs> now I know what the deal is. You're cheating with your production. Behind we, we, the scenes, you got to access to all that equipment. We, I'm we do. We we go all out, and uh, like Eric was saying, it it if you actually come to the shoot, it looks crazy compared to what you're seeing on camera. We have we have we have three cameras set up. We have lights all over the place. You know, we've got everybody mic'd up with their own separate mic. Like I I treat it as if I'm being paid to do it, uh, but I'm just paying to do it. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I want to make, I want it to last. I want to be able to watch that. That's one thing. When I look back on my old episodes that we shot in 2010, I'm not proud of them. I don't ever want to have that issue again with the new ones. I want to watch them in 10 years and say, we did that right. And it, it stands up. Awesome. Now, uh, I think all of us can speak to what we do well. And that's, that's great because we do, we do our shows well, but let's ask Tim, Tim, What's something you think you could be doing more of or something better? I think we could, um, the, the thing I think we could work on better is involving uh, more collectors into the show. Sure. And having more, uh, more feedback while we're live because I think that's where we get some of our best ideas is organically. Someone will ask a question that's smarter than what we thought of for that week and it takes us on a whole new tangent, which is amazing. And in trying to do that to be to involve more of the collector into the show versus having us dominate the show with our voices, even though we love to hear ourselves talk. Sure. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more vintage discussion. Okay. Because it's easy to say, okay, well, 2019 Ginter dropped or 2019 Chrome dropped or, you know, uh, Prism, but it, it's it would be nice to say, hey, someone broke or the uh, someone was selling a pack of 1952 tops. Can you imagine a being able to have that much money to spend, but two, sure. what what would, could possibly have came out of that? Right. And discussions like that, just we're trying to work on it. Uh, okay, awesome. What about you, Mike? What's something you think you could be doing better? Um, I, I'm still trying to find, I think, the balance between um, styles of content. So so yeah. whether that's covering a, a new release, whether that's covering an, an older release, um, or, or even a, a industry topic. I'm still trying to find a good balance between that and get that feedback from the readers um, so that I can in incorporate some of that feedback. I mean, ultimately, I'm doing it both as a, as a means for me to just get my thoughts off my chest and get my thoughts out there, but I also want to provide content that the readers are finding valuable and can refer back to in, in the future. And so um, I'm really still trying to, to get a good process around getting feedback from, from readers so that I know what they want to see and read about as well. And so um, I'm, I'm going to be putting some more effort into to that side of the blog as well. Awesome. Now, um, Jeff, I want to answer for you or at least give you some feedback. Can I do that? Please. I hear you talk about it all the time. I want to do more man on the street stuff. I want to go walk around and, and, and get content that way. And I think just where we live at in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, there's, there's enough of a collector base down there or at least a sports base that would enjoy you walking up to, you know, maybe outside 
the American Airlines or something like that, walking up with a pack of something and say, hey, let's open this right quick and then do something like that. You talk about it all the time. So, I mean, is there something holding you back from doing that? Uh, honestly, it's just, uh, no, you're right. I should be doing it, I, I, but I'm going to make an excuse real quick. Um, I, for the volume that I'm trying to pick up with, like it's easy if we're static in a static location, but yeah. I totally agree that, that being a man on the street is going to be more interesting. People want to see it outside the, the kitchen, I'm sure, eventually. Um, it, can, can I pose a question to the panel? Please do. So I'm, I'm just curious, like out, out in the audience, how many of you are content creators? In the audience, or a in the podcast, I think we we got a few, and there might be there might be some some others listening out there. So, um, are you guys are you guys interested in, in learning about kind of growing an audience? Because obviously, if we're if we're creating content, we're creating that for people to see. So, I always think that's that's really interesting to know. And and these are guys that have a great audience. So I, I would love to know if you guys have any tricks of the trade or anything that you found working for you as far as growing your audience that you would be willing to share at the national for everybody to take I, from? I think we're always trying or trying to do that. And I think the best way we have been like arms wide open and anybody and just trying to, and trying to reach everybody and having somebody reach out to us about a question and making it very prominent on the show and giving them credit for the question. Or when we retweet from our, cause a lot of our stuff happens through Twitter for our show. Mm -hmm. um, and on the show, we want to mention and give credit to those people, but we want to put our stamp on that. We try to create a, a brand for ourselves where if we say some like, hey, follow this person or listen to this person, um, it helps them, but then it bring, they bring more people back to us. Right. I, I've seen that quite a bit. You know, Mike has been a bit early supporter of the show. We've had him on when one of us has not been able to be on the show as a, quote, guest co-host. <laughs> um, and putting Replacement. His, and putting his content out there and retweeting that, but then it brings his viewers then to our show to check it out, or his readers to our show to check it out. And so that's been one of the biggest things. Uh, and it's just, and it's also cross promotion. So I know the podcast, Little Seeger, we're trying to work on some kind of an Avengers style podcast, uh, <laughs> as I'm calling it, where a couple hosts from every show hop on and we do a show together. No love for DC. And um, we try to then get cross promote. And I love get that. the listeners from all the shows then to follow all the other shows because we do diff we have so much different creation in our shows of what we cover. And so I think that's that's gonna be a big part. But yeah, it's I think arms wide open is my kind of my strategy. And uh, for, for for me, one of the things that I learned early on was that um, you know, you can go through and follow everybody and their mother and maybe a third will follow back. But if you follow someone and engage with them and have conversations with them, they're more likely to follow back and give you a deeper and better conversation than if you just follow, you know, ever go down the line and just follow everyone who's suggested. You, you don't get to know them. You don't get to see them. You don't say, hey, that's a Tigers collector. If I see him here, here's some Tigers cards for you. Or, hey, Shep, I know you're a Royals fan. I saw this beat, uh, beat, beat, beat down 76 tops Bre uh, George Brett card. It's yours. You know, that, that's a better form. You know, don't just follow because you, someone tells you to. Follow because you want to and you like their content and you like talking with them. I think uh, also big, and I, we all do a good job of it, um, is consistency with when we're posting and, and when our shows come out. And, and like, I, didn't, I hadn't, 
leading up to the national, I had a, I had a show like the first weekend of July or the first week in July, and I didn't have shows for the next three weeks. I didn't post a show until Wednesday, and that killed me because my the list my listeners are are uh, listening for that every Thursday. Well, it didn't happen, and I've noticed a a, a drop, and that's my own fault. I, I should have planned better for for getting my equipment up here, but in general, you I know that we can catch about the cards at 10 Central on, on YouTube on Wednesday nights. You know that you can catch the Fat Packs uh, 11 o'clock on Thursday mornings. Um, I know that Mike has a pretty, pretty good schedule of when his, his, his content's coming out. And then when Jeff comes through with his, his videos, it's, it's Wednesday when they're, when they're finished. So is that right, Jeff? Am I 10 a.m. Wednesdays. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So the, being consistent and being... Uh, I, I hate the way that sounds, but being consistent and being loyal to your to your followers or your listeners or your audience is, is really helpful as well. And and I I think something you guys brought up is is so vital that I, that I want to reinforce that. But I I really believe that engaging with with your friends, your audience, whatever you want to call them, is so important because what what people really like is the two-way communication right. as opposed to the content you're creating just goes out and then people comment and that's that. To, for someone to ask you a question in the comments on your YouTube video and you respond with like a legitimate answer as opposed to just, you know, a thanks, like that goes a long way. And, and I believe retaining your audience is, it's so important for them just to feel like they were heard instead of just listening to your content. And uh, I'm glad you guys brought that up because I, I do think... Like interaction is key. Yeah, that that was gonna be the the exact thing that I said. Um, <laughs> I, I've been no, that's that's it's great that we've all pretty much got right. that same um, kind of formula for success. You know, th I'm two years into the blog now. The first year, I was trying to get my feet underneath me, figure out what it's gonna take to to put together some great content. Um, but I didn't have much traffic to the site. I didn't have much of a of a following of, of readers who were engaging with me. Um, this last year, that has changed significantly, and I've started to, to gain some traction. Um, and, I, and a lot of that I give credit to um, another entrepreneur who's a social media expert that may have been up on this panel a little bit later. But he talks about how content creation is key. Uh, battling for the attention of your readers or your viewers um, and being out there and engaging with them and putting forth that effort is going to be foundational to, to building that relationship with them. So it feels more like a partnership or a friendship or um, kind of a back and forth, not just a, a one-way street of um, churning out content. And so um, that engagement has been something that I've focused on a lot, just yeah. like these other guys have done, that I've really seen pay benefits to help build the, the following, build the traffic to the, to the blog this year. Well, another big thing I've noticed, you know, Mike has really good articles that are kind of evergreen about, you know, buying and selling and shipping and also two one million cubs. Um, yeah. If you follow, he has a, uh, check his uh, site out as well because he's constantly, these two are, those two guys are reposting articles every so often and they're very helpful to collectors to know how how to save, how to save money on shipping and how to ship cards and, you know, how to buy on eBay and how to sell on eBay. It's been really insightful and I go and I steal that. And the other thing too is when you, when you, when you start to have a kind of a platform and, uh, to provide content and people reach out to you and you re or follow you and you reach back out to them, it's great because I remember the, the first few times where 
uh, you know, I interacted with, with Eric or I interacted with Ivan or Rob, and I felt, and this is before I did the show, I felt like, oh, like guys that I, will, I follow in the hobby and I take advice from and I listen to are actually listening to me. It, uh, it made me feel like, oh, wow, like this is awesome. Like my mind's blown. It's my mind's blown that I'm sitting up here and <laughs> it's blown every week when I have people that are spending their night watching me and my buddies talk about cardboard. Or like uh, when Ivan pops into chat or yeah, right, yeah, whenever, or, yeah. Whenever we have like Ryan Cracknell from Beckett hops in and he's like, "Hey, what's up, guys? Like we're best friends," and it's, it freaks me out. I mean, <laughs> I'm like, okay, "Okay, like." And we had Rich Klein on, and he wrote for Beckett for all my youth, and he's excited to meet me. And I'm like, "Dude, you, you were my childhood. You, I learned. I was reading your articles as a little kid, and it was awesome. And and now you're excited to hang out with me. So that's the biggest thing is reaching back out, touching those people, and then." We grow more of those people in the hobby, and we get more, you know, it's kind of like crowdsourcing information, and that's what I really love about absolutely. it. Absolutely. 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 I, I wouldn't say this uh, while he was walking through, but I saw Dr. Beckett walking through just a moment ago, and he has a new podcast out as well. He does. That yes. is, um, I, I can, I'm, don't want to assume, but I'm, I'm sure I can speak for everybody up here on this panel right now, is it's great for guys our age because it's it's Jim Beckett's sharing Jim Beckett's stories. Right. So well, he he talks about how he started collecting. Right. And you're just like glued, and it's and he talks. He's I've listened to him the first few. I was on the way out here, and yeah. he's talking about the beginnings of things and what he and and through his eyes, and it's just like this guy formed a market. You know, like he was right. the state. He's the standard. It was just. It's amazing. And, and he's consistently posting. He's like yeah. one every day, sits down for 15, 20 minutes and posts it every day. That's, again, back to consistency. He, he is consistent. Um, and I love that it's just a little bite. 15 minutes is not long. You know, I know that I can go long. I know that you guys can go, sometimes go long. <laughs> so it, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to have just a little bite of something when you, when you want it. So just I saw him walking through, and I, I didn't want to embarrass him, but if you, if you look up the Jim Beckett podcast, it's a great listen. Go check it out. Please Absolutely. do that. It, it's, it's, it's really great. All right. Um, so we got about 15 minutes left up here. Hey, Angela. Well, Angela wants – oh. So uh, I was hoping that there would be some more kids around, but I have some cards to break. You guys want to break some cards? Yeah. Robbie, hey, hey, can, I, can I bring up something real quick? Absolutely, go ahead. Sorry, uh, j just before we leave the, the content creation discussion, and I, I, I harp on this anytime I can get an audience, but I, I feel like it's important to talk about. Um, and how many of you guys have a YouTube channel? Okay, so everybody up here. What was the question? Uh, I was just saying, how many of you guys have a YouTube channel? Oh, yeah, not me, just, just so, YouTube. So let me... <laughs> Let me just say this, and for any content creators out there, like we are at a very interesting time in history as far as media and content creation goes. The fact that you can start your own YouTube channel with no barrier of entry, all you need is a phone that films videos and an internet connection is, dim, dim is incredible. And literally, uh, my, my wife and I recently got a, a smart TV in our living room. So it's our, it's our primary TV. And I can pull up my YouTube channel and any of my other favorite YouTube channels on our TV super easy. So with that said, you aren't creating a, just a YouTube channel anymore when you're uploading these videos right. to YouTube. You have a TV channel. You have a network 
basically. So the content you put up there, eventually people are just gonna be watching YouTube on their TV. I, I strongly believe that, and now YouTube has their own TV. I feel like between like YouTube and Netflix, those are gonna be the go-to platforms for entertainment in the near future. So you guys having YouTube channels now, like we're so far ahead of the curve, building and putting this library of content out there that people will be able to access from their TV on a regular basis. I, I have two nephews. I'm always asking them what they, how they consume content just to figure out like where the next generation is going. They don't even watch regular cable. They watch YouTube. Yeah. They go to YouTube for videos. They go to YouTube for music. They go to YouTube for questions they have. Like it, and is, YouTube is the second biggest search engine in the world next to Google, the second most traffic. Um, so, I think so this is a powerful, powerful channel. No one can stop you from uploading this. Um, and I just think we need to respect that and take advantage of that because it's, it's a great opportunity. So I just want to put that out there and get on my soapbox for a moment because I, I, I agree with that because I have a buddy that does not collect cards, but he watches our show almost religiously from his TV just on YouTube as we're streaming it. And my favorite thing is I found out I asked Alexa to play the podcast one, my, our podcast one day, and it did. So then I started playing it through all of the Alexa devices in our house. Uh, and then my wife does not like me very much anymore because I did that. But my boy's like, Dada, and he like so I play it. It's amazing. So, and and I just I feel like it is it is an exciting time, and we're probably going to look back. Who knows what's going to change down the road? But we're going to look back and say, hey, that was pretty amazing. They didn't charge you anything to upload your TV show yeah. to YouTube, so everybody with a smart TV can watch it on their TV as if it's you know HBO or the History Channel. Your YouTube app is now a network on these TVs. Sure. And I just think it's exciting and we need to be taking advantage of oh, that. Full, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Jeff, any other thoughts before we get it? We'll move on to some ripping here. <laughs> I love rip, this let's, set. Yeah, let's this is a great set, isn't it, Tim? It's, it's fun. Love yeah, it. this yeah. is one of my favorites. So uh, I was hoping there would be more kids, but there's not. So, Isabella, what's you and your friend's, what's your friend's name? I'm sorry? Catherine, all right. Isabella and Catherine. Come on up, you're instant winners. Yeah. You both get a box of tops opening day, oh, courtesy wow. of uh, Real Breaks. Congratulations, young man. How, what's your name? Adam? Come on up here, man. I got something cool for you. This is a graded card case from uh, Pastime Marketplace. That's sweet, those are cool. So that is yours. Congratulations, sir. It's a little heavy, but you, you'll be good, all right? Awesome. So this set is great, right? We, we, we mentioned it's, I love it. It's, it's not too basic that it's boring, but it's basic enough where it keeps your attention, but there's still fun stuff in it, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. absolutely. So uh, kids, stick around. You, you can have the hits if there are any hits, okay? Right. Oh. Again, I want to say thank you to Real Breaks for uh, hooking that up. Really appreciate it. And Pastime Marketplace for the card. So um, this, this was live, the first iteration of the set was last year yep and i loved it then and i love this set all that oh, much more this year i love these uh the blast off inserts yeah. they remind me of like the mid early 90s scorecards when they had you know the uh, character all-star cards right right right, right they right. have such a great design and there's a ton of good players in the set these i think these i think are my favorite the star character yeah those two yeah gone. 
Those are amazing. Here's a blast off Shohei Otani, and just like you were talking about, it does look like that early score subset. Right. Uh, pretty cool stuff. The other thing I like, too, is they have updates. Like, this is Jerickson Profar on the A's, and this is probably one of his first A's cards since he was traded. So. And I got a twin. It comes out early, and uh, it has updated player cards. So. You better take that home to Ben. Yeah, we got Bryce Harper on the Phillies here. Ronald Acuna, yellow. Oh, a little Billy Hamilton, run, Billy, run. Oh, this is my pack, and a gold Alex Gordon. Look at that. And it seems like there's one non-base card per pack, at least. Right. At least. Some have two. Got a Juan Soto sighting over here. These are uh, nice looking cards. Don't sleep on the photography in this set either. Check, check, check that out. That's very nice. That's awesome. Almost stadium. Oh, hey, 20 of 50 Dansby Swanson. There you go. Huge brave. Oh, there we go. Blast off Mike Trout. Uh, how there you go. So how about the trout market lately, man? It's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. No, so we were, we were talking about that, and I found uh, on the floor, if you, if you see a trout that's not graded by one of the dealers, and they're, they're running about four to $500, and, the, and they're, the dealers are saying, yeah, if it was, if it was gradable, it would be graded. And so that's what – it's crazy because we – someone posted yesterday a uh, Beckett hot list from 2013 where – the trout rookie was card number seven and was going for 12 or 10 to 25 dollars and you know and now it's uh you know basically around a 400 dollar card right on up right and yep. it's just he's exploded in you know i guess he's going to be our mickey mantle and i hope he can play in a series someday even though i'm not an angels fan he's such a good dude ladies it's about so here's machado on uh the padres Got an Otani and Betts in the same pack. There you go. Are you hey. guys seeing this wall climbers subset? Yeah, the wall that's climbers a, that's subset. That's a cool subset. They really are. And Trout, I love the idea wall climbers. That's nice. So, Jeff, opening new stuff is not your thing. I get oh, it. Okay, I was so, say it how do you feel about a, a set like this? This is like kind of, it should be kind of in your wheelhouse because of what you do open on Pack Geek. I, I mean, I like it. I'm trying to learn the new material more just to diversify the stuff I'm opening. But I want you to know that I just pulled a Kyle Seeger uh, because I know how you feel about that. Uh, but I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's great learning. I just open it. I like opening packs. I like looking at cards. I like, you know, the chase. I, every, every pack I open, I feel like, is a, is a poor man's treasure hunt. And that, that's like me being the poor man's Indiana Jones. I got so you. I, I got you. Yeah, Big League is one of my favorite sets. I, I, I still am somewhat of a set collector at heart, and it's a nice, affordable set you can put together. It's um, several hundred card base set. It's got some nice inserts. There are um, autographs that can be found, um, but it's not all about the autographs. And so no, this, it, yeah, this it's, is a, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, this is a total set builder set, and it's got good photography. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, there's the Mookie Betts wall climbers. Uh-oh, here we go. Hey. Bing, bing, bing. Kobe Allard. Mitch Garver. Rookie autograph. Nice. Auto, Autographs are tough in this, too. Yeah. So, awesome. No, these, are, these aren't even, I think these are one every uh, two boxes, right. I want to say. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very nice. All right, so, guys. Our time up here is about done, so we're going to start wrapping this up. Thank you uh, so much for joining us out here. But before we cut, is, does anybody have any questions at all about content creation? You got... You got five guys up here that do this on a regular basis. So if you have any questions, I just want to. I, I've got a gift. I've got a gold Juan Soto parallel for anybody that asks a question oh, here. Isabel has one. All right, we got one. Oh, come here, Isabel. Come here.
There you go. Do you guys have a YouTube channel? And if you do, what's the name of it? YouTube channel and what's the name of yeah, it? Yeah, well, we're about the cards. And we're one short, so well, you'll three, be a 300 you follower. You subscribe, you'll be number 300. And for that, you can have those. There you go. That's awesome. cool. About Here. the cards. It looks like this. It looks like that. You can't miss it. And if you search Wax Pack Hero, you'll find mine. Wax Pack Hero. Not jukebox. Look at that. We're getting your followers out this here. This young lady is the MVP of this panel today, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Good job, Isabel. Yes, that's us. That's us. Boom, number 300. Number 300. Thank you. I also nice. have a card for you. There you go. You want a Juan Soto? Juan Soto. You want this card? There's Sweet. Those two as well. All right, now I, I, we should give this away. Yeah, we should now. give that away too. What oh, you thinking? Um, who, who is it? Uh, Kobe Allard. Who's he play for? Uh, well, the Braves, but he just got traded to the Tigers. The Tigers. Yeah. Okay. A um, tiger fan back there. Braves, right? He played for the Braves. He's a pitcher. Yep. We, well, we 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 have a there Tiger fan. Oh, we have a Tiger fan. Tiger Come on up, sir. On Congratulations. Up. Right place you, at the right time. You win for liking a horrible team. Congratulations. Oh, no. <laughs> I agree with him. Awesome. There you go. Awesome. You All didn't right, deserve that, sir. You didn't. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, you're a season sorry. ticket holder. He understands. That's great. All right. Um, yeah, we'll just give the rest of these cards. If you guys want to come out and grab these, you can have them. Yeah. It's not a big deal. There you go. Please enjoy them. Here you go. They're going to be fun. Hey. Uh, yeah, please go ahead. Go ahead. Some cubs. Whatever. Uh, again, thank you to Real Breaks for uh, hooking us up yes, with those boxes. You. Absolutely. I hope you guys all enjoyed that. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, gentlemen, yeah, for joining Eric, me up here. Thank you very much. This is awesome. Thanks for having awesome. us. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, guys. This is Derek Ficken with Beckett Grading Services. You're listening to Beckett Radio, home of the best radio show ever. All right, guys, we're coming at you live from the 40th Annual National Sports Collectors Convention. This is day three or four. I don't know, really. It all kind of goes together. We Where start, are we? We started the day over on the main stage with a great panel with, uh, with Big Shep from uh, About the Cards and Steph and the sometimes fill-in host, uh, Mike Summer. He, he runs Wax Packs Heroes. And then um, Mr. Jeff, the Pack Geek. Hello, but, hello. But we found we found another podcaster that you might have heard of. This is John Newman from Sports Card Nation. What's up, John? Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me on, man. This is like a, a, a real big thrill uh, to me, as I, I told you. So I'm happy to be here. We're happy you're here. So you've been here a day. You had to walk walk around yesterday, and this morning we brought you in early. So what what, what are you thinking? This is my 30 years in the hobby. This is my first uh, time at the National, and mm. I, you, you know. You have a vision in your mind what you think it's going to be like, and then you actually get here, and it, it surpasses that. So just just crazy. So what what have you seen on the floor that's kind of blown you, blown you away so far? I, I think just the, I mean, like they say, if it isn't here, it doesn't exist. And sure. just, just some of the stuff and the quantities of it and some of these showcases with, with uh, you know these these vintage cards to even the modern day cards. Just just the amounts and and the kind of cards that are here. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. What about you, Jeff? You've been walking the floor. What are you seeing? Oh man, I I I have not seen nearly as much as I was hoping to. Uh, just we've had a lot going on, and I feel like I've missed a couple of rows of dealers, and uh, it, it's hard to see everything. Like even if you have three or four days here to just roam 
you can still miss stuff. It's easy. Okay, that's it. We're cutting the show short. We're going to go <laughs> rock the floor together, and uh, we'll come back at a later date. Sound good? We're going to stamp long, every table. As <laughs> long as we head to the beer tent first. The beer tent. How, how crazy that this is the show. And they did it last year in Cleveland, but you can buy liquor on the floor here. Does that, does that seem a little unreasonable to, to anybody other than me? Man, if you're a dealer, you want those customers to, to have a little liquid courage in them. It, it makes it a little bit easier to get to the wallet. Maybe maybe that price that seemed too much is, is no longer. It seems like a decent deal. Sure, sure. I get you. So now, John, let's, let's, let's talk about your podcast for a minute because uh, I've been a guest on your on your show. Jeff has been a guest on your show. but So this is the first time that you've been... On, on this show or either of our shows, we just got a, a dual a dual combination thing going on here. So, uh, tell us about tell us about Sports Card Nation, how it got started, and uh, what, what 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 you've been doing. Uh, yeah, started nine months ago. Um, I've thought about it for a couple years uh, prior to actually uh, launching it. Uh, obviously, as you know, I'm a big fan of Fat Packs and, and your inspiration to to what I even do. Um, and I was going on my friend. I have a friend, Dan Tatora. He, he does a, a weekly morning sports uh, podcast. He was okay. formerly from ESPN mm-hmm. uh, Radio. I've heard of it. Yep, and he he did not like the situation he was in. He was kind of being told what to say, do, and think. And so he formed his own broadcast company. And then I, I was off from my real job on Fridays, and he was having me come on for an hour or two, bring six to ten cards and do kind of a a sports sports card segment and then a bunch of people were like it was really only supposed to be one or two and then uh he got a lot of feedback like is this going to be an every friday thing and okay. then he had, he called me up and said hey you want to you want to do it every friday man i'm getting a lot of positive feedback and i said yeah as long as i can make it my schedule don't change so we did probably 15 shows on on fridays and then my work schedule changed, and I, I didn't have it off anymore. Mm. So my son actually, my son Jordan, actually uh, filled in, basically went for me. And he talked more of the sports with Dan. And, and I thought about that. I kind of, you know, I missed, I missed that. I kind of got, I, I enjoyed it, and I missed it. And then just having that experience and thinking about it even for a couple years prior, I said maybe maybe now maybe that's the sign to to do something cards wise sure. myself sure. podcast wise. Well, you do a good job. I mean, you, what? How many episodes are you on now? Uh, uh, the next show will be thirty seven. So All we've right. done thirty six. All right. So you've done thirty six shows. I mean, one thing that I know that you do that we just talked about over on the main stage is you're very consistent. It's every Friday, yep. and we know that we can find you there if we're looking for it, which is great. Because uh, Jeff brought up a great point on the main stage about you know what are you doing to grow your audience and you know, let your audience know that you're there and consistency is is was my number one point. So, Jeff, what do you think, man? You, you, how do you think about it? What do you think about a show? Well, I I, um, I I was lucky enough to be a guest on John's show, and one thing that really stood out to me was the very real passion he has for the hobby. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's he he loves cards first and loves. I'm guessing loves talking about cards second, but uh, but it, it came through, and I feel like listening to a show, man, that that passion is very real. And if you're a card geek like myself, like listening to that and just hearing you relate to someone who has that passion, so it, it's it's awesome. And John and I happen to have like the same kind of window, a, a wheelhouse in in 
the 80s era of cards right. collecting. So we, we immediately related to that. But I, I think John is doing a bang-up job, and if you haven't heard his podcast yet, definitely go out and check it out. He's had some great guests, uh, aside from myself, and uh, and he's, he's just got interesting content. He's got an interesting take on things, and I do appreciate that you take a stance on things. You don't just lay out there and, and leave everything in neutral land. Yeah, I think you you, you gotta you gotta cover both sides of the coin. You you rather cover the positive side, and, and you wish there was that was the only thing going on. But you know, like life and like everything else, there's there's good and there's bad. Um, I try not to harp on the bad. I think other people do that uh, enough. I don't need to add uh, to the pile. And, and hearing both of you gentlemen. Uh, say that uh, those positive things really uh, means a lot to me. Yo, so shout out to you. the guy that just walked right in front of our shoot because that wasn't <laughs> happening. Good grief. <laughs> All right, let's, let's bring this back around positive. You mentioned that your wheelhouse, uh, both of your wheelhouses, uh, that 80s, late 80s, early 90s kind of stuff, and you have some packs here that we need to get into. So uh, imagine that the Pat Geek has some packs. Well, what are we, we going to do? John is an amazing guest. He actually brought some of his own packs. So shout out to John for it's, it's being B, prepared. It's BYOP. I, was told. <laughs> I love that, and I will use that. Okay, so what I'm looking at right here, we've got 84 tops. We have 86 Donruss. We opened that yesterday, didn't we? We did. We got into a little of that yesterday. And 86 Fleer. So uh, this is right in the wheelhouse. Um, John... Do you should we just distribute a few to each person? Yeah, that way so we, we get. All, I would okay. say that way we right, each so get to open a little of everything. Let, let's do so. this. And uh, there you are. There you are. All right, let's start out. With Here, it. take let's one of these back. First. I don't. I opened that yesterday. I don't want to look okay. at that anymore. I want to look at right. some new stuff. Let, let's go with the oldest first. Do we want to up the stakes here and say whoever ends up with the worst hand has to eat a piece of 84 Tops gum? Sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Okay. All right, all we'll right. Make, we'll make separate piles of hits, and then we'll see who's got the best pile. We have to eat it or, or try to chew it? It well, all turns into the same, so... <laughs> It's better than Giordano's pizza. That's all that I know. <laughs> I had that last night. I if, don't know. <laughs> if you are unfortunate enough to have to eat the gum, make sure it's the last thing you do. Because <laughs> you won't want to talk very much with that gross gum in your mouth. Okay. Here we go. We're let's uh, let's start now, Good luck, fellas. Before we start, gum stain. I love a gum stain. Yeah. There you go. Rick Honeycut right here for me in 84 Tops. Ooh, oh, that's man, a good I one for you. Hall of Famer on the back, Andre Dawson. Nice. And... This is the camera we want to okay. show those hits to. So, so I got a Dave Winfield in here. Got a Hall of Famer, Andre Dawson. The Hawk. So put your hit pile out here so we can compare notes. Keep score, yeah. Man, this is a tough pack for me. <laughs> Former R&B star, Bobby Brown. Hey, man, I, I love... Every little step uh, I take. <laughs> man, that was a tough pack. I had nothing in that one. Yeah, my, boy, this card got demolished with the gum, unfortunately. Uh, Jeff Newman, I don't believe we're related. No? All right, I'm out on that pack. I had nothing. 
just the Dawson right, for I'm me. I'll let you guys finish the tops, and then we'll move on to the next set. I hope the first, the okay. second pass of tops is So better. right now, uh, John is showing an Andre Dawson on in his hand. I've got a Dave Winfield from 84 Tops, and so far, I'm going, Eric Norton I'm is going being shut out. Wade Boggs. All right, all uh, right. Let me all show right. the camera. Can I show the camera? Absolutely. We might have a tie. Oh, recent Hall of Famer just here, Harold Baines. Ooh, all right. A little firepower there. Oh. And uh-oh, uh-oh. I got you I got you all beat now. Okay. I got I you all beat. I have a feeling I know where this is going. Uh, George Brett, Rod Carew, and Cecil Cooper. <laughs> Whoa. Two of my faves. And the, la the last Rod card in my pack was was Hall of Fame, another Hall of Famer, Jim Palmer. So two packs or three packs and three Hall of Famer. I thought for sure Eric was about to show the Mattingly. I rookie. thought he had the Mattingly too. Oh wait, I'm sorry, Eddie Murray. Now I'm. Okay. All right. Hey, keep your heads out here. I want to. I want to see what's in your hand. I'm putting. <laughs> I'm putting them right here. He all saved right, the right. best for last. Apparently, he was slow playing. Oh, he's, he's still working. I'm still working. Go ahead. Oh, that one's like brick together. Time. Yeah, they, they, these were in a humid climate at some point in time. Hey, he's not going on the pile, but Ron Kittle, he was at the Beckett night the other night. I interviewed him. He was great. He only said one curse word, so that's positive. All right, shall we move on to Donruss or Fleer? What do you guys think? John, I'll uh, let you decide. Well, I, I know Eric said he's kind of he opened the Donruss. Let's get that out of the way. We'll, All right, we'll open that next and save the Fleer for last. So a Conseco-rated rookie could win everything. No gum here. Thank goodness. <laughs> Somebody's gonna have to chew a puzzle piece. <laughs> I got two puzzle pieces in one pack. That is that is a repack job. Man, Mike Hargrove. Oh, no, a Danny Tartable rated rookie may be my best card. Speaking of Ron Kittle, there's a Ron Kittle right there. I'm going to start a Ron Kittle collection. <laughs> Dang it, that was not. Hey, Terry good. Francona for the Expos. All right. All right, Terry Francona. Uh, I love right, a good. Um, that... Wade Anthony Boggs is on the back of this pack. He's going to my hit pile. Yeah, my, my first down respect was bad. I got one for you. And Ron Kittle told me the other night this was the toughest pitcher he ever faced. Brett Saberhagen for the Kansas City Royals. Heck yeah. You guys got two two packs Boy, of this. Shut up. I, I got to say, that might be the two worst 86 Donruss packs I've ever, <laughs> ever opened. Not like we opened, we opened even, even from yet. 86. So. I've got a Paul O'Neill rated rookie. I'm not going to count that in my hit pile, but I just want to show it because the rated rookies, we didn't have many in these packs. All right. All Moving right. on to Fleer. This is, uh, this is the Jim, this is the Eric Plunk and Jose Casego yeah. rookie, yeah, yeah. right? So that, that card would win this. I, I don't like my odds at this point in time when I'm, all I'm showing right now is a Wade Boggs, Dave Winfield. I got to tell you, man, every time we do this, you chew the gum. I just want to let you know that uh, your luck, your odds are not in favor. And I like to take one for the team if it, if it needs to be done, mm. just for camera's sake. Here we go. All right. Oh. Okay. Benito Santiago, rookie. Tell you what, back in 86 and 87, that was a hit. 
<laughs> I don't know if that goes in the hit pile, but no. I just wanted to announce it. No, I didn't get any any what I would call hits, but a quick little Man. short story. I got John Franco. John Franco is also from Brooklyn, like I am. It's a long story, but I actually got the the hit off him as a a younger baseball player. So neat, neat little backstory there. Man, who's, who's got the Conseco dual? I got stickers card? in both of my packs. You guys didn't. <laughs> oh, we got I'm the same out. stickers. I'm out. So, oh, here's Lenny Dykstra. If you haven't seen <laughs> Lenny lately, it's probably because he's in a prison somewhere. Uh oh. Did he get in trouble? He get, he's always in trouble, bro. All beer league team player there for sure. Yes, definitely. Lots of expos card. Dick Schofield, my good friend Richard. How's it going, John? I, I got an insert, not a, a not a hit. But <laughs> an John Tudor, All Star, might be the only year he he was an All Star. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Man, and, uh, 86 really did me in. Like I, I had trouble even finding something. Well, guys, okay, tough. okay. So let's let's figure this out. Who is going to who's going to do this? Okay, so, so I I'm going. Best card? Is that what we're doing? Even as a Royals fan, I don't think you consider Brett Saberhagen a hit. I don't, but I'm going to throw George Brett, Rod Carew, and Cecil Cooper out there. Okay, that's as, solid. As my best. Solid. Okay. I'm going to throw this because uh, I'm going to use my, my 84 tops Winfield as my greatest hit, which tells you just how crummy my packs were. <laughs> I'd have to combine all three of these, I think, but if I had to pick one. I guess you go with the Hawk All-Star. They're all three Hall of Famers, but... Yeah. We're going to need a judge's decision on this because Eric's got the most firepower on one card, and you know I'm partial towards George Brett. But if Rock we're Crew going was, card for card... Rock Crew was a powerhouse of his own, right? I know, right? I know, I know. But he, and, and, he's in a, and, and he's in an Adam Sandler song. So. You know what, guys? Chew that I hate gum. awkwardness. I'm just going to eat this. You want to split gum. it? You want to be fair? Oh, do you want the crumbs? We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll I'll split take, it. I'll take I'll, this I'll one. I'll take one for the team, too. I think I'm growing to just enjoy 1984 I'm not gonna, I did. I did fill out my wheel I'm well not before let you I, I left. Do this on your own. Man. It never, never tastes any better. It gets worse <laughs> every time. It's like chewing on an antique. I now have salmonella. Yeah. <laughs> It's like an to me. It's like an antacid. It's like Tums. Oh, Tums tastes better. I'm just, okay. <laughs> that is so bad, guys. But tell you what, it's better than Giordano's. Um, what's going on? Shots fired again. Bang bang. Man. Not a fan, Eric. <laughs> Not a fan of the deep dish pizza. As do you a want to touch on that real quick? As a Brooklyn kid yourself, you shouldn't be a fan of G- Giordano's either. Now I like uh, I like pizza. I'm half Italian, so I just like pizza in general. Sure. But you know, I I only eat the deep dish if I'm in Chicago, which mm. I've been in twice, so mm. I've had it twice. Okay. Well, I'm out on it. Hey, John, mm. do you want to plug all your stuff? Yeah, Because people do that. need to check out your podcast. Well, I appreciate that. Um, Sports Card Nation, if you, if you search Sports Card Nation, I'll, I'll come up on, on Twitter. Uh, we're on 10 platforms, so uh, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, uh, eight others. Um Sports Card Nation. If you if you search that, uh, you'll you'll find me. When do when do new episodes drop? Is there a? I didn't do. They're on every Friday. Okay. I didn't do one uh, this week uh, because being here. 
Um, we'll get right back on the horse uh, for next Friday. Mm-hmm. There will obviously be, be national heavy content yeah. uh, there. And, uh, yeah, every Friday, and, and like Eric said and you guys said, I think consistency, you know, is, is the key. And, sure. and having great guests on also helps. And, and I'm, I'm honored that uh, you, you both uh, appeared on the show. That was a, a big big thrill for me. You, you do a good job pulling guests, man. So that's that's speaks to the quality of your show and what you're doing. So. And we're honored to have you here. Yeah, buddy. it's it's really I'm, great. I'm, believe me, I'm I'm might be more honored to be here. So. You flew in Thank all you. the way from New York to be here, so congratulations for being on. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, I'm kidding. But do congrats on your first national because that yeah. was a long time coming. Yeah, thirty yeah, years. Hopefully not my last. God willing. So New Jersey's a lot closer to you. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, like I said, God willing, I'm, I'll definitely be be there. I'll probably drive. It's five and a half hours. Mm. So I think hopefully my son, depending on his schedule. I know he'd like to go. He almost got to go here, but it didn't work out. So I'm, maybe next year we'll we'll drive. He can he can. I'm getting older, so I'll make him drive most <laughs> of the way. So. Awesome. All right, man. Thanks so much for uh, hanging out with us. You guys, hang tight. We'll be right back. Mr. Brandon Cooks out of 99. Brandon Cooks. You're listening to the Fat Packs on Beckett Radio. Again, I don't, I don't remember what day of the national this is. I think it's day four, I think, but it's all kind of running together at this point with so much to see and so much to do. Uh, I got my good friend, uh, Mr. Bart Silverman, here with me. He was on the main stage with me last night, but I want to give him some quality time for, for those who missed that interview. I want to I talk about Super 7 right here at the Fat Packs uh, booth, Beckett booth. What's going on, Bart? How are you? I'm great. Thanks a ton for having me uh, again, Eric. It's a blast. Had a great time last night and a lot of fun to get to talk again. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I love your products. But before we get into that, much like last night, I want to talk about your experience in the hobby. Like, how long have you been involved with baseball cards, collecting? Like, what, what was your background? Because I know you, you were a kid that grew up in that prime time of collecting. <laughs> You know, with those all those great Hall of Fame players, so how long how long have you been doing yeah, this? Exactly, uh, the first card sets I remember getting packs in '74. Uh, I got turned on to baseball in a big way in '73. Um, I had the opportunity to meet Willie Mays, and in '73 he played for the Mets in the World Series. Uh, I remember my dad distinctly telling me he was the greatest baseball player of all time. And then he happened to be on a flight with my dad, and we went to pick up my dad at the airport. And with that, I got to meet you know this guy that my dad had been talking up as the greatest player of all time. And that really sent me off the deep end as a five going on six-year-old. Started buying cards religiously in 74, and then collected hardcore all the way up until the mid to late 80s. Um, because Mays was so... You know, he was obviously at the end of his career. It was his last year. But what it made me do is look backwards. Like, who did Mays play with? Whose records was he breaking? It made me pay attention to the Hank Aarons and the Orlando Cepedas and the Bob Gibsons and the Sandy Koufaxes. And so I, 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 at a young age, I would buy like 75 and 76 tops and then go to small regional shows with eight or 10 tables and trade those cards for T206s and 33 Gaudis because uh, I really wanted the cards of the older players regardless of condition. And, and I was just nuts all the way through high school. And then, like a lot of us, I, I found my future wife and uh, sold my whole collection in the mid-90s oh, to no. put a down payment on a house. That, so that's a, that's a big question here on the Fatback Show. I don't know if you if you listen to it long enough to know this, but people tell me they get out, and my first question is, was it a girl? So in this case, it was, <laughs> it was absolutely it was a girl. absolutely a girl. Yes, and we talk about it all the time. Yeah. So you're not not too much older than me, Do you, and I find myself doing this now with, uh, with the... 
stuff that I pick up, but I'm going back and picking up stuff that I had yeah. as a kid. Are you doing that? A- absolutely. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like I've had three stages of my collecting life, like my childhood one, and then one when I like started making a real living. I did exactly that. I'm like, I'm going to go back and buy every Hall of Fame baseball card from my childhood. Basically, I was born in 68. I went back a little farther than that. Uh, and went all the way through high school and then I sold that collection so I've sold two collections and then now what I'm doing is I'm focusing almost exclusively on Dodgers team set so I have every Dodgers team set from like you know, 58, 59 through 2000 and change. Sure. Uh, and, you know, the, the players that I grew up with, I'm a psychotic Dodgers fan, but I, I do not spend any money. I have two kids in college and a third one who will be there shortly, so I buy nickel and dime stuff at this point compared to what I used to do. Okay, so you gotta do, I'm going to go a little weird here, okay? Okay. okay. Uh, I had a guest on earlier in the show that is avid for the Colorado uh, Coors Field Rocky, the Rocky Dog. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And he was recently in L.A. and said the Dodger Dog was garbage. Defend the Dodger Dog. Well, here's the thing. So I, I've been to, I think, 29 big league ballparks. Okay. I am an absolute Dodger homer. I, people who know me, I'm about as psychotic as it gets. The Dodger Dog is okay. It's just okay. Okay. It's, it's the grilled all beef is a better dog if you go that route. That's not available at every stand. I like them. I eat two or three a game when I go. But I will not stand here and tell you that the Dodger dog is the best on the planet. I am, a, I am very um, objective when it comes to things like that. Okay. That's good to know. You're not, you're yeah. not going to straight homer me. No, I will, I will not be that guy. No. I'll tell you what, though. I, I, I've been to a lot of baseball stadiums myself. I haven't been to as many as you have. But I don't know if there's a more beautiful setting Totally in baseball, with, at Chavez Ravine, when, when the sun's going down yep. and you get the mountains, and the, it's so That's beautiful. Just like, like Vince Scully said for my whole life, you know, the cotton candy clouds, and it gets that kind of pink sky as the sun yeah. is going down, and it really is a magical place. I mean, the last two years have been incredible because I've been able to go to every Dodger playoff game, including the World Series games the last two years, and so, you know, growing up in Dodgerville my whole life, I didn't get to go in, you know, in the, to the NLCS in 77 or 78. I didn't get to go in 81 because we couldn't get tickets. I didn't get to go in 88. Um, so getting to go to a World Series and to take my kids, and then one of my best friends on the planet is, is a, a Major League Baseball uh, sports artist, Todd Radom, who has you know, some renown. He's the best on the planet. And we got sure. to watch the Dodgers-Red Sox play each other those three games, including all 18 innings. And so you, oh, we wow. sat through that 18-inning game, and we were pinching ourselves. Like, we've been friends and worked together for, for 20 years, and we've always talked about a Dodgers World Series. And getting to watch it in that stadium, and yes, I felt like I got kicked in the you-know-what when the Red Sox won. <laughs> but it was great to see one of my best friends on the planet see his team win a World Series at Dodger Stadium. There's no better place to watch a game. It, it's great. Now, I want you to do one more thing for me before we get on to uh, Super 7. Uh in your own words, describe Fernando Mania for me. <laughs> it, it was truly unreal. Um, the Do- in my life, the Dodgers went through that twice. Like one of my earliest memories in 74 was Steve Garvey being on the news every night because he had a write-in campaign to get him on the All-Star team. Right, okay? right. And he got the most votes and he ended up winning All-Star Game MVP. And that's what made me love Garvey. Garvey's my favorite player to this day. But then, and there was nothing else like that really, as great as that team was until 81. And then you bring this kid up, and he just completely dominates at the end of 80. 
you know, he played in like nine or ten games or something at the end of 80. And you're like, whoa, this guy's going to really be something. But nobody thought he was going to be what he was in 81. That sure. was a truly, truly magic year. And he captured the imagination of all of Southern California because being from Mexico, being Hispanic, all the way down to San Diego, you have this whole contingency of fans who'd really never been represented in a big league uniform. And the Dodger audience is very much driven by that. And he was a absolute rock star in a city of movie and rock stars. He was sure. as big as it came. Uh, and it was just a blast to see. Plus, he was just so unique. Like, he looked like one of us, right? right he didn't exactly. look like Hulk Hogan or something. Right. He looked like one of us. He And his, his for me as a kid, his, his pitching was a little unorthodox, yeah. his delivery and everything. It was, he was unique. I wonder how old he really was, though. Like, <laughs> right, like that's right. That's what I really want to <laughs> know. For sure. That's yeah, what right. I really want to you know. know he, the thing was, is like, even though he was maybe older and kind of, you know, I guess you could say out of shape. He, he, was, he had a ton of complete games. He couldn't have been that out of shape. He fielded his position as good as anybody right, in the game. Yeah. And the dude could hit. Like, he was a legit bat. But for a pitcher, I mean, it's all relative. But sure. he was like a legit bat. Um, and, and there was really nobody that was more fun to watch. He, he was just a blast. Yeah, absolute blast. All right, let's talk about Super 7. Tell me about, first, tell me about Super 7, the brand, uh, and how long you guys have been around and yeah, what you've been doing. Um, Super 7's been around 18 years now, and it was founded by uh, Brian Flynn, who is, he and his wife, Dora, are two of the most creative people I've ever met. And I've met a lot of creative people in my life, and they're at the top of the ladder. And being a collector, I've always been aware of Super 7. Like, they've always been at, like, San Diego Comic-Con. And they did some really amazing toys around Alien, um, you know, seven yeah, or eight years yeah. ago. And for the last five or six years, they've owned the Masters of the Universe business. Can I, can I stop you right yeah, there? Yeah, sure. The Alien figure with the face hugger included? Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Exactly. Absolutely brilliant. Exactly. And, you know, there's, there's a great story behind that that we don't necessarily have the time to get into. But that was just Brian's sheer fanaticism. You know, his, he's built this whole company based off of trying to create things that he's always wanted to have. But that never got made. And that's exactly what we do as a company. We've got an incredible group of people who spend the day kicking around what it is they'd like to see. And then we've actually, we go out and make that happen. And um, what's nice in the last, say, three years, two, even two years, I would say, is there's been a concerted effort to broaden it. Outside okay. of just being hardcore at cons and online at super7.com, it's, it's how do we get licenses that will allow us to crack through that and get more mainstream? And so you know, we were just at Comic-Con and we launched our first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles line. We launched our first Charlie Brown Peanuts line. And the success for those things was unreal. And that really bolstered our confidence that people just love the Super 7 design aesthetic and what we do. The property almost becomes secondary because they love our packaging and they just, they want to be a part of what it is that we're doing. Um, and so we can really go more mainstream. And we have some licenses now like Ninja Turtles and uh, Transformers and things that can help us reach a much, much broader audience. So it's really exciting to see where we're going. Now, I know that you love all your licenses and all your products, <laughs> but the one that seems to be near and dear to your heart is this this uh, Superstars. Is it called Superstars? Uh, classic All-Stars. Classic yeah. All-Stars. I'm sorry, I messed that up. No, that's all My good. Uh, no no that, problem. It, this is Hall of Fame All-Star Baseball players uh, highlighting some of the best rivalries in all of baseball. Yep, and you were you were an integral part of this. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I've I've worked in and around Major League Baseball and the NBA since the mid '90s. Um, it started in the mid '90s with a company called Ren Spooner and all those obnoxious Hawaiian shirts you see guys wearing around with like mm -hmm. the history of the White Sox or the Dodgers or the Lakers on them. I started that in oh. like '96 or '97. Right, this interview's over. And <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but, but it made a lot of money, right? Yeah. So, so we all have to do things to get paid. Um, and and the beauty of that though was it got me into the licensing business, and then I got to know the people at MLB, and I kind of got their confidence. And and for you know 25 years now, I've I've been able to have a really strong relationship with the sports leagues, just kicking. 
around ideas. And one of the things that had really hit me as a fan and as a collector was, you know, we have McFarland statues and, and things like that, but what happened to starting lineup? Why has there not been anything like that? And I pitched it to Major League Baseball almost three years ago now. And MLB's take was, look, if you can find the right toy partner, we'd be happy to give you a license because we agree that there's a void. And so I got hooked up with Brian. And within about three minutes, we realized that, one, it was amazing we'd never worked together before because we know all the same people and we love all the same things. Sure. Um, but two, you know, he had always had a fascination of getting into the sports business because he was a big-time card collector. and He's a little younger than me, but the late 70s, early 80s. And so the opportunity was just like, heck yeah, let's go. And, and so within like five minutes, we were working together on this program. And, and our mindset here with this initial launch that comes out this month is focusing on classic Hall of Fame players. Like, that's safe, right? We For the first year, you don't know what jersey Bryce Harper's going to be wearing. This stuff takes almost two years to build, uh, certainly a year and a half. And so by going with Carl Yastrzemski or by going with, with Jackie Robinson, like the Brooklyn Dodgers uniform with number 42 on it never changes. So it felt like a very logical place for us to start. It, and it, it, it is a logical place to start. The rivalries that you picked are also a logical place to start. The biggest in baseball, right? I mean, right. the Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, Giants, and the, what was the other one? No, those four. That's the, it. Yeah, I mean, the, okay. we have the mascot piece, too, right. because, you know, Super 7 is known for its characters, more so than just making a straight, here's a guy right. action figure. Uh, so doing the mascots, I think Brian was more excited about doing the mascots than he was the actual players, <laughs> where, where for me, I was so jacked up to finally have a Willie Mays action figure. That was kind of a dream come true. And it's funny, in the first couple of weeks of sales, the Philly Fanatic has sold as good, if not better, than anything else. And there's actually a whole wave of mascots coming out for opening day 2020. So I, I mean this in the most sincere way. Non-sport collectors are weird. Like oh, they, yeah. they, the stuff that they put their money behind is <laughs> is crazy. And to hear that the Philly fanatic is is you know right there on par with the other figures is it absolutely makes total sense to me. It, it does. Because I, I think it's the one thing like like being in a company that's split between the the non-sports and the sports side of the business, you know, there's some of us, me included, I'm a Star Wars geek as much as I'm a Dodgers geek, but but for the most part, it's you go into the non-sports side of it because you're not a sports guy. So, so many of the comic book uh, pop culture Super 7 fans are like, what the hell are you guys doing? It's almost like we're selling out getting into sports. Mm -hmm. The beauty of a Philly fanatic or a Mr. Met or something like that is I do think it straddles the line because it's truly a character right. that it makes everybody kind of laugh. And so I think it's selling well because it's getting some of the non-sports people who just think it's fun. Sure. Now, since we are talking about characters and figures and stuff, when you were a kid, what what were your big action figures? Or what did oh, they call God. them action figures then? Um, yeah, 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 they did. I mean, I was I was big time into the the twelve inch GI Joe okay. kung fu grip with the furry beard and all sure. that stuff. And then, you know, of course, I'm nine years old when Star Wars comes out. So right. my day, oh, okay. my whole life changes on May 25th. Me and my brother, who's five years younger than me, you know, we're nine and four, and my mom takes us to see that thing, and it's like boom, a switch gets flicked, and you're just done. And so I was one of those kids who did the mail-in Star Wars thing. Of course, yeah. You know, no, I didn't keep it. I sold it. You know, oh, God knows man. how long ago. I traded it actually for a skateboard deck. Oh. Um, but Star Wars pushed me over the deep end. And then, you know, I remember me and my brother collecting Micronauts. That was something that we were really into at that time. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I stayed with G.I. Joe for a while. And then, you know, but, but all throughout it, as much as I loved the action figures, I really was a card guy. I, I loved cards as a kid. I had hundreds of thousands of baseball cards. I, I get that, so I get, but I got to ask you a follow-up question. Sure. What does the name Kenner mean to you then? Because, I mean, 
what you just described is a history of Kenner. Absolutely. And and so it's awesome that today we actually have a licensing agreement with Hasbro. Okay. So Hasbro bought Kenner right. years and years ago. Right. We do not use the Kenner name, but if you look at our reaction logo on our website, you'll see that the reaction logo very closely mimics the old Kenner colors and Kenner style. And so we're doing a whole line that comes out this Christmas of three and three quarter inch. So Star Wars came out in 77 and they were three and three quarter inch action figures. We're coming out with a whole line of Transformers action figures in December at the three and three quarter inch size with Hasbro. So it's kind of like we're bringing Kenner back to a degree. Yeah, it's, great. it's really cool. I mean, because when I, I don't, when I look at what you guys are doing, it looks and feels like Kenner, and it right. looks like the, the stuff that I had. Yep. That's great. That it's, it's kind of like a little homage that, that you guys you, did. You just nailed it. I mean, the whole point for us was if you were a Star Wars guy and you had a bunch of three and three quarter stuff on display on the shelves, we want our product to be able to sit on the shelves next to it. Sure. And that way it all goes together, and your collection has a cohesive theme as opposed to a bunch of different sizes bouncing all over the place. And we, do, we make one and a half inch figures, and we make five and a half and six inch figures, and we've made some 24 inch figures. But that three and three quarter Star Wars size is definitely the backbone of what we do. It's, it's amazing stuff, too. Let's talk about where we can find this right now. Where can my listeners go find, uh, well, not only Super 7, but specifically the baseball guys? The baseball stuff. Well, the best place for the baseball stuff would be Super7.com or MLB.com. Those are two places you could find it today. The product doesn't deliver for a few weeks, but it will deliver in a couple of weeks. Um, we're selling those four ballparks, so Fenway, Yankee Stadium, Dodger Stadium, and uh, Oracle Park in San Francisco. We're starting to get it, the product into a fair amount of baseball card shops. It should be hitting, again, about the middle to the end of August. I don't have any specific ones, but you know, all of the better shops should be carrying it. And uh, we've got some t- like tests with Entertainment Earth and Big Bad Toy Store if you wanted to go to those online shops. So it's getting out there slowly but surely. But in 2019, we wanted to keep it very special, not go pour it into every place, get feedback from fans, get p- feedback from hobby dealers, and feedback from retailers so we can tailor it. Because as we go into 2020, we have all the current players coming out. So we've got three waves in 2020 of current MLB players, NBA launches in uh, February of 2020 to time with the All-Star break here in Chicago. Uh, so so you'll just keep, see the line keep broadening and broader, broadening as we go forward. The, the checklist is amazing, but let's, <laughs> let's run it down. Tell, tell us who's on the checklist. Yeah, so you've got you've got Campanella and Jackie Robinson, and it's Jackie's 100th birthday this year, so that's a really special one for us yeah. with the Dodgers. Uh, Cepeda, Marischal, and Willie Mays with the Giants. Uh, Carlton Fisk, Yaz, and Ted Williams with the Red Sox. And with the Yankees, you've got DiMaggio, Barra, and Mantle. So it's a very strong group of 11 guys, plus the Philly fanatic. Uh, a lot of people here at the show have been saying, well, what about Babe Ruth? And what about Cody Bellinger? And the, it's all coming. Just be, be patient; it'll <laughs> be patient. all be out. Yeah. What about accessories? Are we, are we getting bats and gloves? Yeah, exactly. And stuff like that? So, so the pitchers have have gloves and, and baseballs, and the hitters all come with a bat. That's amazing. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a wonderful product. I really like it. Uh, I've seen we, well. We gave some away last night, and I think that the collector who who loves those players that are on the checklist. This is a must-have for them. I, I thank you. I, I think that that you know Brian is the one who really nailed this, and and with the help of Josh and Aaron, like, how do we? create something that's not just an action figure on a shelf. And baseball cards were very much what drove our thought process here, that people would want to collect these like they collect baseball cards. And ideally, you would want to have the whole set. And at $15 retail, like they're not cheap, but they're certainly not going to break the bank. So it's not crazy to think that you could get everybody in a series or certainly everybody for your team. Now, 
am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong. You guys are working with Tops. You guys are using the Tops cards on the back. Well, well we're or, not the, yet, but not we yet. do plan to next year. So we do have a deal with Tops, and, and also coming out later this year is we're going through the history of the Tops archives, and we're putting that on glassware, on enamel pins, and on apparel. And that product should start to hit the marketplace in say September, but certainly before the end of the season. And one of the things that we'll be doing in 2020 is incorporating Tops art and Tops cards into the card backs of the action figures, and that'll probably start not necessarily for spring, but by summer or all-star 2020. So, as a, for the novice toy person, or toy get, collector getting into it, how important are card backs? Um, for us, it's everything. People really, really gravitate towards our style and our art. And if you go to our website and look at all the different things we've done, you'll find a lot of, you know, you just gravitate towards it because it reminds you of your childhood. So a lot of guys buy two, which kind of blows me away. They'll mm -hmm. buy two, one to open and play with or display and one to just keep pristine and put on the shelf. Because I think our card backs are every bit as important as the figure itself. Yeah. And frankly, in a lot of sets, it's more, maybe it might be more important. Like we had a set at San Diego Comic-Con of the movie Breakin'. Okay, so breakdancing really? movie, right? Mid to late 80s. Awesome movie, don't get me wrong. But I think that most people bought it because it came packaged in a mini boom box. And oh, the packaging nice. was so bitching that people just had to have it. It was just this ultimate impulse by. So for us, the packaging means the world. We designed the back of the cards. Again, this was with uh, Todd Radom. We designed the back of the cards to look like a 68 Topps baseball card. Um, and there's just a really cool nostalgic feeling with everything that we do. Absolutely. I love what you guys do. So with that in mind, Please give my listeners where they can find you on social media and uh, you know look for your products. Yeah, uh, so so super7.com is the website. At uh, Super7 is our main Instagram site. And then at Super Sports by Super7 is the sports specific, if you don't care about the other stuff, at Super Sports by Super7 on both Facebook and Instagram. And I give props to our social media team, Orlando, Brian, Aaron. Those guys are killing it. I love the way they're presenting both the baseball product and the regular stuff that we do. Outstanding. Uh, Bart, it's it's a great pleasure to sit down and talk to you again. I love what you guys are doing again. Can't wait to see it everywhere. Oh, appreciate the support, Eric. It's a blast. Thanks All a right. lot. Guys, hang tight. We'll be right back. This is Eric Norton, co-host of Beckett Radio, and you're listening to the number one sports collecting podcast in the world, home of the Fat Packs. Are right, you ready? Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, we're here with uh, Gary V, uh, live from the 40th Annual National. This is great. Gary, what's your experience been like so far? <sighs> This has literally been the best week of my life. Really? Yeah, man. This is just like, I'm like literally sad that it's Saturday night and like I can't wait for Atlantic City. Like all I've got is number 41 on my mind. Really? Yeah, I had a blast. It's been fun to hang with fans. Like I've signed a bunch of stuff and now they're making tons of money on eBay. That makes me happy. <laughs> I'm meeting all a lot of the players. I mean, not the players, like I don't want autographs. I mean the people in the industry, right. other dealers who I respect and like. It's just been real fun. Hey, will you tell us about the box set a little bit? It's really cool. Yeah, Tops and I did a insert in Series 2. I was also in Ginter, and we also did, quietly, a direct set that only Bryce Harper and Lindor have done so far. So oh, I'm wow. the third one. And uh, here exclusively, incredible set. Has these crazy insert cards where you can have dinner with me, go to a Yankee game with me. The dinner insert's at 3500 on eBay right now which is amazing. The one's already up on auction? <laughs> Literally on eBay, there's a dinner insert that's at $3,400. Wow. It's incredible. Uh, and so I'm enjoying it tremendously. And so it was a fun set to do, curated. My favorite prospects, my favorite cards to collect when I was a kid, and the players I admire currently. Really? 40, 41 card set, really cool. So on the main stage the other day, you mentioned something that kind of 
blew my mind because I've been trying to tell people this for a while, but Gary Vee says it and everybody listens. Soccer <laughs> is like the next big thing. It's underpriced. And, and no one is paying attention to it. Why, why is soccer the next big thing? Because it's going to be one of the biggest sports in America over the next decade. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. Absolutely. So why, what, what, what are some soccer cards people should be looking at right now? I'm undereducated. Okay. If I'm going to be on film, I want to be on the record. All right. I don't know. But I've been buying old Pele. Absolutely. That makes Can't sense. Go wrong. Right, because yeah. that feels like Ali and yeah, yeah. Babe Ruth sure. and Jackie Robinson. But I'll get more educated soon. And you're heavy in the basketball market too. And weird shit. I think weird, offbeat, branded stuff, Converse, Jordan and Bird. Yeah, yeah. Give us some examples. Okay, okay. Uh, 72 Icy. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, big cards. Great basketball yeah. cards. Those are cool. Uh, you know, uh, Sugar Daddy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird ass shit. <laughs> I know you might have to like beep. No, we're you know. Good. Okay, good. No, that's good. So, um, what has it been like coming back to the hobby that you love so much? The best. Like, I don't do five days of anything. D Rock will tell you. I fly to give a speech in Hawaii and fly back. I'm there for four minutes. Like, I never stay anywhere ever. I wish I could live here for the next year. Wow. I got room. Wow. We saw you. We saw you in Cleveland last year, walking around as a fan. Quietly. Not quite. Very quietly. Yeah. Now you're here. Set Less up. quietly. Yeah. Did you ever think you would be in this position in, in, in the hobby? No. No? This has happened, fa- and I saw D-Rock shaking his head. He knows me. I'm surprised by how much, but I also didn't understand how small the hobby was. Sure. Sure. Uh, so, but but so I think it's about to get a lot bigger. You were you were super involved as a kid. I love the story. I mean, like you, real you shit. 80, cars 85 to 93, I know everything. So what, I have Todd Van Poppel, Brian Taylors, <laughs> Greg Jeffries, Kevin Mosses, at scale. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know it all. So what is your favorite change that the hobby has seen since you were involved as a kid? Like what, what are the cool Vintage new- cards are respected a lot more. Okay. Right. They weren't in the 90s. Absolutely, yes, that's absolutely. That's my favorite. It's very you know, cool. grading's interesting and intriguing. Uh, one of ones is interesting and intriguing. But my number one by a distant mile is, is vintage and offbeat. Magic the Gathering, and this is not offbeat, but Magic the Gathering, Pokemon. I think Batman, I just bought a ton of 66 Batman. I think that's underpriced. I think the comic book DNA in cards could be interesting. Uh, offbeat. So I like that the hobby always evolves. 90 inserts are, are not worth nothing. Right. And then now they're worth a ton, right, in basketball. So I'm right. intrigued by evolution. Sure. So I, I have just a fun question for you. What's the quickest way to make a million dollars in the sports card industry? Slowly. 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 Take your time. Be methodical about it. You understand? I do. Biggest issue in this industry. Everyone's so impatient. Going on a prospect, they have three bad games or hurt or get hurt for four weeks, dump. Slowly. Makes sense. So we'll wrap up with this question. What's what's something on the floor, maybe one or two things that's kind of blown your mind this week? The Honus Wagner was fun, pack breaking is fun. Um, it's younger than it was in last year's Cleveland. It's younger. Just stay over there for a minute. Just over there for a minute. Uh, um, it's younger. Yeah. Definitely. It's younger. Definitely. And that's great for the industry. I was, that's longevity. Yeah. I was telling Jeff earlier that the, like, there's an energy that's palpable on the floor this year, and I think a lot of it has to do with you being here, but Josh from uh, StockX, you know, just that new energy coming in. So, new energy. Uh, from the hobby, I want to say thank you for coming here. I thank really you. appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank thank you guys. guys so much. Thank See you, everyone. Sure yep. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks, I really appreciate your time, man. I'm, thank you, guys. Is that yours? Did I get the right one? Or? D-Rock? Yeah. Fan of the world, What's up, brother? Thank you, brother. Thank you, yeah, man. I'm excited for it.
the wrong Sorry. one. This is an occupational hazard here. Yeah. No